The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. He spoke to them in parables, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. In uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, there's this wonderful passage that I think really illustrates what our scripture readings talk about tonight. That God in his kingdom is actively at work in the world all around us. He is constantly making all things new. Um, Aslan, the great lion, uh, the king of all Narnia, has just sacrificed himself to the evil witch. You might remember this part of the story. And the two little girls who are with him, Lucy and Susan, they're still grieving his his death, the loss of their friend, and they've suddenly discovered as they come up to that stone table where the lion was killed, that his body, his big, huge lion body is completely missing. Um, in fact, they actually think someone has taken it. And so here's the passage from Lewis. Oh, it's too bad, sobbed Lucy. They might have at least left his body alone. Who's done it? cried Susan. What does it mean? Is it more magic? Yes, said a great voice behind their backs. It's more magic. They looked around, and there, shining in the sunrise larger than they had seen him before, shaking his mane, stood Aslan himself. Oh, you're real. You're real. Oh, Aslan, cried Lucy. And both of the girls flung themselves upon him and gave him kisses. But what does it all mean? asked Susan when they were somewhat calmer. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time, but if she could have looked a little farther back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, Aslan says, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim 
who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. Isn't that a beautiful passage? I think the reality for us brothers and sisters is that for many different reasons, we sort of lose sight of this deep magic, this deeper magic, which is the hope of God's kingdom, that it's coming in all of its fullness. Uh, we forget that we are a people of the deeper magic. Um, this is, I think, because for one reason, just what Jesus said, the kingdom is sown with mustard seeds. I mean, it, it almost doesn't make any sense that this glorious kingdom, this deeper magic that breaks death in half would begin with such small things, right? So in a way, the kingdom is hopeful, but it's hidden. It's hopeful and it's hidden all at the same time. Um, at least it's hidden from our point of view. I, I think, you know, our sin keeps us from seeing God's kingdom or perhaps the evil that has been done to us over the courses, over the course of our lives. Um, so we just sort of give up sometimes. I, I think we do two things. We actually, we go really hands off in despair. Like, okay, God, I can't see your kingdom, so I give up. Hands off. Or we go really hands-on in control and manage. We be like, oh, I know how God's kingdom grows. It's not mustard seeds. It's like the perfect youth program. You know what I mean? Or it's the perfect worship ministry. It's the best music or, or whatever. It's looking cool enough to the culture. That, that's how we grow the kingdom of God. And so I think avoiding both of these extremes is our calling right down the middle today calling for the day is keep, O oh Lord, your household, the church, and your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. It's saying, God, please help us to see your hopeful and hidden kingdom so that we can proclaim it. Let me show you this in a couple of the passages, all right? Look at the Ezekiel text if you have it in front of you. If you don't, that's okay. You can just listen. In this Ezekiel text, God tells his people, Israel, that they are going to flourish in miraculous ways. Miraculous ways. Uh, he said, remember, a twig all the way into this big tree, and um, everyone will know in the fields around who the tree in charge is. So, But what, what you may not realize is that Israel was given this prophecy while they were in exile, while they were in slave. So that is to say, their rebellion against God had basically put them in this awful situation where they were being ruled and depressed by foreign powers. I mean, to be exiled was to have your core identity stripped. I mean, you couldn't practice your religion the way that you did as a people. You didn't really, in a sense, know who you were. And so, constantly, there's this sense for Israel, we just don't belong. And yet, God is telling them, hey, Israel, you will flourish. He, I even like the part of the passage where it says, God will take the twig, break it off, put it in mountain soil. I mean, we're talking really dry ground. Nothing grows up there, you know? But you will flourish. There's even a, a, little, a little catch to the enemies that God gives them at the end of the, the Ezekiel passage where... They will find refuge in you. 
your oppressors will be blessed by you. Completely upside down. It's as if God is saying this, Israel, don't despair. The deeper magic of my covenant promises to you, they aren't based on your failure. The kingdom of God is not contingent upon your perfect behavior or your biggest mistakes. Even the successes of your oppressing enemies around you, that doesn't mess my kingdom plan up. This is about me, God Almighty, I've chosen you. There's another passage in the Old Testament where God says this explicitly. Hey, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest, most numerous group of people. I just loved you. That's how my kingdom comes. I choose you, I love you, I make it happen. You can hear a little hint of the parable, even in that. So let's apply this, all right, to us. Old Testament passages can be difficult to apply sometimes. Perhaps tonight, this is the message of the kingdom that you need to hear. Um, that God's magnificent redemptive work, not just in the world, but even in your life, is not messed up by your bad choices. I mean, just let that sink in. I think that we really believe that sometimes. So you've relapsed in that addiction, or you've begun to believe that lie again that the abuse started in you years ago as a child. You see evil in yourself or evil out here. Both of these things have begun to sort of blur your vision of the kingdom of God, causing you to believe that it's just, it's not going to happen. So I despair, I give up, God. The message that God would have you know tonight is that the deeper magic of his kingdom will prevail, not just in this world, but in your life. And you can't stop it. Now look at the gospel reading, if you, if you have that, the gospel of Mark, a couple of parables. Because there's a very similar point about God's kingdom that Jesus makes here. Um, he tells his audience that God's plan to rescue humanity is like a farmer who plants seeds and returns to find a full life garden. And, and he's basically done nothing but sown the seeds. It even sort of mentions that he, he sleeps at night and he rises, and he sleeps and he rises. You're like, he's doing nothing but sleeping, you know. I mean, this guy, it's hands off. And again, uh, that God's rescue plan, the second parable, God's rescue plan begins with the throwaway seeds of a shrub. Let's not kid around here. This is a weed. This is a weed. You don't want a mustard plant in your garden. And that what results from this weed is this throwaway seed, like, like someone tossed them out of the kitchen window, you know? Complete ground coverage everywhere. Amazing growth. So these stories that Jesus tells, they're hopeful, really hopeful, in one sense, because he's saying, hey, God is in control of the deeper magic of his kingdom. In fact, go to rest, just just rest, just rest, and know that his kingdom is happening around you all the time because he's energizing it and making it so. And then again, he's saying, hey, 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 you cannot imagine the kind of growth that would result from the smallest act of obedience, your mustard seed. So, um, but here again, God's kingdom is not just hopeful, it's hard to see. You see it both? It's hidden. It's hidden in the mustard seed. It's maddening 
to think, but are you telling me, God, there's nothing I can do to manipulate and manage your kingdom to make it come faster? Jesus would say, no, there's nothing you can do. And that's supposed to be a restful message to us. Um, I recently experienced this hopeful and hidden kingdom in a way that I did not expect. Um, I can, can, this is a bit of a confession, if that's okay. I confess to you that after growing up in the, in the church, um, being in ministry for a number of years, I had sort of lost track of the hiddenness of God's kingdom. And um, whereas I didn't really have the expectation, like Jesus' audience, that the kingdom was going to come in this big, powerful way, you know, not with some mustard seeds, I did fall prey to the notion that the, maybe my popular ministry methods would bring it about. Or maybe if I, like, just ministered to certain people, that God's kingdom would come in. Maybe these are just things that ministers struggle with. I don't know. So I was really surprised when Mindy, uh, my wife, and I, uh, we went on a trip to take communion to an elderly couple from St. Luke's a couple, uh, two or three months ago down in South Orlando. Um, and I kid you not, we stumbled upon the kingdom These folks have been unable to attend the Eucharist for a while sort of due, due to some health reasons. And so we were sent to their house in South Orlando and we had a little communion kit and our, our short liturgy. Um, it was an incredibly moving experience for me. I just didn't realize that I had begun to buy into this really evil notion that sometimes or some people or some places are more special to God's kingdom than others. Uh, I was completely wrong. Mindy and I sat there together and uh, the, the elderly wife went into the back bedroom and she helped her husband out of bed and she wheeled him into the living room and we asked them about their life and they, uh, and they asked us about our life and we shared a bunch of stories together and then we shared Jesus' body and blood together. And friends, the fabric of time and space was ripped into, and that older and deeper magic was right before our eyes. Um, let me be clear, it was as if God was saying to me, to Josh, these two elderly people sitting in front of you, minister, are the mustard seeds of my kingdom, and you've been missing it big time. Perhaps tonight, this is the message that you need to hear about the kingdom of God. That God's magnificent redemptive work in the world uh, like Jesus' audience or like me, maybe you've forgotten that God, it's not a political party thing, it's not a ministry method thing. Um, maybe you've forgotten this and you've begun to accept the world's value system. Either way, You've forgotten God's promise that his deeper magic will prevail in his time, in his ways, and probably with times and people and places that the world just throws away. This is the good news of Jesus Christ about his kingdom tonight. I want to close with a story from, or just a, a quick passage from one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, on Eucharist. I really do think 
this hopeful and hidden kingdom of God is often hard for us to take in. And yet it's exactly, get this, it's exactly what we take in. Literally, the hopeful, hidden kingdom of God, we take it in every week, every week in the Eucharist. In a chapter called Jesus the Hidden God, Henry Nouwen writes this from his book called Letters to Mark about Jesus. He says, the Eucharist is preeminently the sacrament of God's hiddenness. What is more ordinary than a piece of bread and a sip of wine? What is simpler than the words, take and eat, take and drink, this is my body and blood, do this in remembrance of me. He goes on. I've often stood with friends around a small table taking bread and wine and said the words which Jesus spoke when he took leave of his disciples. Nothing pretentious, nothing spectacular, no crowd of people, no stirring songs, no formality, just a few people eating a piece of bread and drinking a little wine. Not bread enough to make a meal, and not wine enough to quench your thirst. And yet, in this hiddenness, the risen Jesus is present, and God's love is revealed. Just as God became human for us in hiddenness, so too in hiddenness God becomes food and drink to us in hiddenness. I think the thing that I love about Christian worship, especially in a grand cathedral like this, is that all around us is the hopeful hidden kingdom. It's pictured all around us. We are right now participating in that hidden kingdom of God. You may think you're in a cathedral in downtown Orlando, but as older saints have told us, when Christians gather to worship, it's like these clouds are pulled back and we look up and see the host of heaven. That's why this building is so grand, you know? So every Sunday, you and I gather and we learn anew how to see the hopeful, hidden kingdom of God. For just an hour or so, we climb into that kingdom and we see it in fresh ways. So that this week, when you get discouraged because of your poor choices, when you read the newspaper, when you hear about more violence in the Middle East and you start to believe that God's kingdom is just some silly incantation that you'll remember Sunday night, that God by his grace will strengthen you and empower you in his body and blood by his spirit and you will see the kingdom. It's really there. His deeper magic will prevail. Let's pray. God, we love you. We need you desperately. We need tonight for you to clean the lens of our hearts that we might see your hopeful and hidden kingdom. Make it so, not just for us, but for your glory, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son.